Welcome to the Mother of All Movement podcast with me, Catherine Meadows. I'm a women's health trainer specializing in postnatal recovery and a mum to two kids myself. My aim is to inspire and educate through chats with women who are either working through their own movement journey or work to help women get stronger and recover both physically and mentally after having kids. I want to talk about what they do, how they integrate it into their family lives and essentially why. Because I believe when we share our stories and our values, we lift each other up, enabling every mother to fulfill her body's potential, gain confidence in her power and give her family the best version of her to share their lives with. So join me each week to hear these wonderful women talk about their journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Catherine Meadows, and today I'm really pleased to welcome Kerri-Ann Bradley to chat with me. Kerri-Ann is a Pilates teacher, movement enthusiast, and the founder of Pilates at Your Desk, in which she teaches people across the world how to move more and set themselves up for more movement through their day. She's also mum to Ivy and now a published author of the new book, Move More at Your Desk, which I just received. It is a wonderful resource of information and guidance of how to get moving in a totally unpretentious, easy to follow way. So Kerri-Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your super busy schedule to chat with me today. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. (laughs) Yeah, great. Okay, so let's start finding out a bit more about you, how you came to be a Pilates teacher and sort of working your way towards this moving at from a sitting position or at least at your desk type thing. So I started off my career as an economist. So I was at a desk quite a lot, actually, maybe like 10 or 12 hours a day, I guess. And then sitting when I got home as well. So lots of sitting. And I had a whole list of desk related, or which I would say were desk related, aches and pains. So I had sciatica, lots and lots of neck and shoulder ache, lower back pain, the whole shebang, really. You know, I could tick off the all of the common desk-related aches and pains back then. So I actually started doing Pilates when I'd had my daughter. I did it postnatally with a lady called Grace about, so she's about 10 years ago. And I really liked it, but I sort of had a gap before I went back to it properly because I, so I was on mat leave when I did that. And then when I went back to work, there was a Pilates studio across from where I worked and I had all these pains and the lady who ran it come in that day one day when I was particularly aching to demonstrate some some moves to us so I thought ah I could go there and that'll make me feel better so I started going to her class and at the point at that point I was a bit I wasn't really passionate about economics and certainly not the world of regulatory economics although I had been it for like a decade um, but and I was sort of avidly searching for what I might do next and part of that sort of avid search was I like fashion so I thought about that I like psych- I was thinking about psychology so I actually started doing a part-time degree in that when I was pregnant actually and then and then I'd gone to these Pilates classes and the lady who ran the studio said she was going to run a course so I thought right I'm going to do it so I left my job and then I went into this course so I quit my job to do it which was good actually because I ended up being in the studio probably six days a week I really threw myself into it but 
part of me at the time is just like, I'm going to use this. I was in a very fortunate position where I could do this, where I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to figure out what I want to do. So, but then when I started doing case studies and working with bodies, I realized that actually I knew all this stuff about bodies because I think I've been looking at people lots. I mean, I used to sit on benches at lunchtime, eating my lunch, watching people walk past and so on. <laughs> so I collected information about bodies and the way people move and why the back might hurt because of what's going on with that foot or whatever, you know. And I'd collected all this information so I could then intuitively figure out how things to do. So combined with the training, obviously, and learning about movement and so on, it turned out that I was quite good at it. So I was like, okay, actually, this is for me. <laughs> and I haven't looked back. And that was, I think that was about seven years ago. I think I get a bit lost on time sometimes, but I think it was seven years ago. <laughs> oh, well, you know, considering COVID, you know, I, I'm kind of like, it's anywhere between about six months ago and 10 years. I've yeah, no exactly. <laughs> I know it's not 10 years because my daughter's 10. <laughs> right, it's okay. <laughs> Good to place it on that one. Um, so so you started doing Fletcher Pilates, was that right? Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. one of the original classical styles of Pilates. So moving towards being in a seated position or moving at your desk, how did that translate oh, yeah. from one to the other? Well, I don't know. I mean, you've probably been to some Fletcher Pilates workshops before, and it's really difficult, actually. <laughs> For someone who didn't do very much movement, was really unaware of, of her own body, and for talking about me. And the, when I was kind of thrown into the deep end, I don't have a dance background or anything like that. In fact, not very good at dancing, actually. But so it was really hard. But I think that intense training program was probably quite good for me, because it made me really focus and really, really dedicate my time to to being because I'm quite competitive, actually, to to making sure that I could do it as well as the other people. <laughs> <laughs> but then how I got to the desk stuff, was that I was working, I taught loads of one-to-ones actually. Back in, when I lived in London, I'd cycle between clients and I was sometimes teaching 40 hours a week one-to-ones and only at that point, one class a week. Oh so this my is three at your desk, which suited me really well because I love the analytical side of working on a one-to-one basis and the mm. problem solving and the joy that you get when someone comes in with a sore back and they leave without it so <clears throat> I was working with all these different bodies and they leave feeling great and they come back the next week and there's some aches and pains would have crept in again and so I was kind of like well it's all very well doing your hour of movement with me each week and doing your other stuff as well like running outside or going to different classes working with PT whatever it is you're doing your mixture of movement stuff but when you're working and majority of those people were working at desks you're not moving very much at all. So I put together a program of just really simple movements that people could do at their desks. And those that did the stuff saw a massive improvement in how they would show up each week. And those that didn't, well, didn't so much. So over time, because of the Pilates desk stuff, I've started to be able to sneak in information, like just more about how we move through space, not necessarily doing like thinking about doing I'm going to do my side bends and my rotations and so on but thinking about your posture and how you move through space because that can also help you when you come back to your Pilates lesson as well so so yeah so I did that and then that all went very well and I thought well I may as well make a business out of this 
So I then, yeah, put together Pilates at your desk and that, then the rest is history, really. <laughs> and so now you teach a lot of workshops, or, okay, pre-pandemic, the idea was that you teach a lot of workshops in offices so that people will have this direct sort of feeling of moving in the place that they already are in because because that's quite important isn't it because people often leave where they are go and do some movement and then they go back to their office and it's almost like they're two completely separate things right yeah. and so what you've done is sort of bring both of them together so so you te teach workshops in people's offices but now since the pandemic you've been doing them online for people moving at home yeah exactly yeah so I you're exactly right so I went into offices before but even at that point just before the pandemic people were starting to dial in from other so if I was working with international companies people would be dialing in from other places mm. so actually that was already starting to get a sense of working online and then yeah since the pandemic I've been teaching I think hundreds of these things online but now people are joining from, from the office and from home. So it's like a hybrid of... Yeah, great. Yeah, so it's quite cool. And actually, I've taught since the easing of lockdown or, you know, yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> One of them, I've, yeah. um, <laughs> I've also taught in person in an office and can but continue to teach online as well. Oh, amazing. So, I mean, clearly our whole movement lives and the kind of potential that we have to move has changed dramatically over the last two years I mean I've got clients who moved less and some who've moved more because the commute and office life sort of moving around the office is gone some have that all that great incidental movement taken away but others have been able to do more structured exercise and you talk a bit in the in your book about the words movement and exercise and I think that that was a really interesting little bit for kind of a movement geek like me so tell us a little bit more about that and your thoughts on the kind of the last two years and how they've mm. affected our potential to move well firstly I totally agree with you that for some people they've moved more and for some people move less and I think yeah I think for some people who the ones who have moved less generally in life move less and the reason that they move more when they go to work is because that it's kind of in, it's incidental they yeah have. they just have so, to yeah exactly I, I don't know about you but one thing I've really liked about working from home is that people are learning to use their feet a bit more effectively because they're not wearing shoes so much yeah <laughs> um, my feet have grown Oh, I, wow. <laughs> yeah I had some I had some walking boots that I haven't used for a while because I had some different walking boots and then they, those ones are sort of worn down a little bit so I went back to the old ones which I literally had I don't know five years ago or something I bought five years ago so they definitely fitted me at the time and I went to walk in them oh my god they were so painful and I was like oh, it's because I've literally worn no shoes <laughs> for about 18 months except for now and then and even the now and then it's been just trainers or something exactly. and really yeah. good fitting ones so yeah exactly and I think that's something which maybe we should be focusing on a bit more as well so people can actually see that you know that that the, the, there are benefits to being barefoot, and maybe even in the office, taking your your shoes off while while you're at your desk. I know. I think there's a little. That's just one of those things. That's a bit awkward, isn't it? Taking. Your I shoes think off some people just do, don't they? Like you say, some people yeah. move more, and some people exactly. are like perfectly happy about taking their shoes off. Exactly, but. and I think there's benefit in doing that. And 
yeah, so this whole thing about distinguishing between movement and exercise, I mean, essentially, exercise is part of movement. However, I think in our brains, and there are some lovely quotes out there, definitions of what exercise is. One that I think sticks with me is thinking about it as like a structured form of movement that you carve out time to do. You wear special clothes to do it in. Mm. And we've got this sense that it needs to be an hour, not, and that's as far as I can see and through the information that I gathered during the writing process, that's to fit in with timetables more than anything else. Like an hour fits nicely within timetables. Um, and actually, I feel like that that's sort of setting conditions like that mean that if you're not setting time aside, wearing the right clothes and going off to do it or doing it in with your computer or whatever, then it doesn't count. So then what we end up doing is not moving so much when we're sitting at our desk because we don't think that that, that counts, right? Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. You are. So I think my mission, I guess, as it were, is to break down, is to first of all say, we don't need to compartmentalize the two things. They're essentially one and the same. Movement is any time you move a body part, you want to keep it varied and you want to keep it frequent. And because you have to be working during the day, you need to bring it into that time too. And that's it. That was quite a long mission. <laughs> A long like way it, of explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and um, you have a brilliant statement from a professor at Loughborough University who you've spoken to about why moving is better for us. So why is movement important to you, but also why is it important to all of us as well? So I think there are many angles that you can take and obviously what attracts me to moving more might be different than what that what would hook you in and for me because I came from a place of feeling in pain really and achy and now I don't have that and when I don't move so much like over Christmas I didn't for a number of reasons I started to feel those aches creeping back in mm. and I think for me it's about feeling freer in my body not feeling stiff not having aches and it's such a great way of shifting your mood bringing your energy up and just getting like you know so if you're like super stressed you can hold that in different areas of your body and just like getting it out is is really good not just for the body but for the mind as well so those are the hooks for me that pull me personally in and I think you know in terms of who you end up working with and you'll know from your clients as well you tend to attract those people who have the same uh view to movement as you do so you know I'll attract people who who also want to feel that way but the, you know that I think in the book I, I touch on I think I know um, <laughs> in the book I touch on the sort of long-term health risks associated with being sedentary and not moving so much and there are a whole lot of different health outcomes that can be impacted if you don't move very much and and so there are other people who would be drawn to those you know and so I think it's about your personal experience and that, and that as movement teachers as you all know that makes it a tricky job for us because we want to we want everyone to move more because we know how wonderful it makes us feel but not everyone's in the same space as us so it's about finding all the different hooks and then sort of saying them all at different different times <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah so the health outcomes thing is is really important and like and so much more we've all become so much more aware of hmm. 
how important our sort of long-term health is and things. Not that anything we did with movement necessarily made would have made any difference to do with COVID and your outcomes from it or anything like yeah. that. But I think health has just become something that we've all become aware of just the general need for and when it's taken away and when you just feel utterly rubbish for a week or however long it is and then that sort of concern about breathing and things like that Mm -hmm. all of that it just becomes really important I think also we've had a big reframe on how work and life are able to merge together and because they've become so forcibly merged how do we then make that from an emergency situation to a long-term situation because lots of friends and clients and things that are not going back into the office so we're now having to stop just sort of perching on a kitchen chair and sort of like hobbling over our desks with our laptop sitting on our laps and stuff like that we now have to sort of make that into like right okay I need to make this a long term how am I going to sit well how does this blend my health and well-being into my life how do the two work together what does this mean for my long-term health so what has been your experience when you've talked to people as they've sort of gone through this last couple of years with their experiences of the way they felt and the way their health has been and things Mm -hmm. like that so I think there were a few things to, to look at there. I'll touch on the one that you first spoke about there, about boundaries and about things merging. So life and work have become one and the same. And I really like the take that you, you, you had there in that, you know, you can think about integrating movement into the work situation. I think that's what I took from what you said anyway. And that's a positive take on it. But the negative of that, of course, is that there are no boundaries where, around where work ends and life begins because it's in one in the same space Mm. so one of the the things I noticed during the pandemic was that people were feeling increasingly tied to their computers because Mm. there was no space they couldn't leave the office because they were their office was their house so there was more of this feeling of needing to carry on working throughout you know into the evening and so on and also there became for many people I worked with this crazy sort of change where meetings were just back to back because the way, only way of communicating was a meeting yes so you know there were no gaps there so it was literally boom 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 throughout the day so um one of the jobs that I sort of had during that time is to think about ways in which people could try to create boundaries in that really jam-packed meeting schedule which should be sort of thinking about when you're waiting for the next meeting to start wiggling out doing a few moves maybe standing up and lifting one leg up circling it a few mm-hmm. times the other way and then the other leg going and getting a glass of water coming back so forcing yourself to use those very small windows of opportunity to do something different and then also placing boundaries around work and life and one of the things that I like to like to share in workshops was for the working from home environment having some kind of celebratory movement to end the day assuming people place higher value on leisure time over work time then it also attaches a positive connotation to the movement so whether that be whacking on your favorite song in your kitchen and having a dance or just doing some some movement that makes you smile essentially because if it makes you smile you're more likely to do it of course um and creating that boundary through movement essentially so there's that as well and you would have seen this with with your clients as well I'm sure is that everyone 
in the world became a jaw clencher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So even I know lots of us clench our jaws anyway, but you know, I was getting onto the screen and I, I just see faces and you can see where attention is on one yeah. side more than the other, or whatever. And I was like, okay, right, we've got a whole hat virtual house of jaw clenchers here. What are we going to do about this? So jaw clenching was made just so using the breath, taking attention to the face, maybe having some visual reminders around the place to relax the face, and then making sure you're having taking well, I said taking, using the breath, but also doing it before you go to bed. So if you're a nighttime jaw, maybe having a mouth guard uh, and stuff like that. So there's the jaw clenching, lots of lower back pain. People, as yeah. you say, you, yeah. surfing at the beginning of lockdown, not perhaps having the best environment to work. So lots of house shares where in some instances, people would be working have flatmates would be working for competing firms and would need to be working on their bed in the bedroom because they didn't have space to work somewhere else so so figuring out ways in which you can work within an environment move with in an environment that is a little bit not great yeah conducive to to sitting well moving lots or using stuff within the house like that isn't expensive to buy so not going out and buying yourself a standing desk perhaps but using like an ironing board for example which is yes. adjustable by height mixing up mixing it up so changing your sitting position changing the place that you're in and, and yeah so those sorts of things back pain jaw clenching and lack of boundaries around work and leisure seemed to, were, the, were the three main things that came out there, I think. Ten, yeah. Shoulder tension, that kind of goes hand in hand with the jaw clenching. Yeah, that whole <laughs> kind of like, every time you got an email from school with more COVID cases, like more shoulders yeah, rising, exactly. and you hear the news come on on the radio, again, with the sort of breath holding, the jaw clenching, the shoulders up. Yeah. And then I think I, I think I found a, a lot of people with sort of foot and calf tightness from from just not not move not not striding out, not doing some good steps around yeah. uh, because they're not commuting or doing the school run when the schools were in lockdown and things like that. So those sorts of things I found kind of to be quite interesting to sort of remind people how important it was to do the that the movement they were doing before how it seemed so insignificant really just like at 30 seconds of stretches at my desk or just standing up and and walking for, for for sort of five minutes really does it make any difference and then they they feel felt the difference and just reminding them this is where it's come from this is why it's so important and really sort of understanding that I thought that was that was so interesting to really observe and you know hopefully now people are starting to realize how important it is to keep on moving and that hopefully yeah I think there's you know, with everything, and I speak for, for myself here, with you, you normalise something and then it takes just one change to revert you to how you, used, you were before. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, so I, I think that's where, you know, you, as part of our job is to keep reinforcing why it's good to do it and how to do it in simple ways. That mean, it's like you say, you're five minutes of stretching your desk or whatever. It's a, it's and, and to, to hone in on the fact that it all adds up. So, you know, you might just be moving around for five minutes at your desk, but if you do that a few times a day, then that's, you know, and every time you move, you use energy to move. So you're, it all counts. Yes. Really. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And actually, when you said about simple, I think one of the things that I really liked here, you've got this big section in the middle with all of your exercises within them, the move more moves in chapter three. And there are so many of them, but they are so simple. I mean, you know, it's they're, they're brilliant because even from my point of view, there are so many things that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so great. I just just to be able to point somebody in the right direction to be able to say, look, if it's always in your shoulders and your neck and your jaw and stuff like that, take this and do these kind of this little routine because you've got these routines at the back compiling some things together. And just just to be able to say just these simple moves are really going to help you to be able to let go of that tension and to apply that simplicity to some with a with a sort of movement practice that can sometimes be quite complicated or can be quite sort of put people on oh I don't really like Pilates or I tried Mm -hmm. it once and I'm not really sure and you're like well you know really this is just a shoulder roll or, or, you know, this is a roll down, but you're doing it in sitting or you you yeah. have some spine stretches and some, you know, rotations and things like that. And I, you know, the simplicity here is really what, what is so brilliant about this. Hi, Movement fans. Sorry to interrupt your listening today. I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you are, I would love it if you could leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now. If you're on your mobile on the app, click on the icon with this podcast image, scroll right to the bottom where you see the ratings and reviews section, tap the number of stars you want to give. My suggestion would be five. And then click the write a review link at the bottom. It literally takes one minute and makes a huge difference in how iTunes shows this podcast to others who are searching amongst all the thousands of brilliant shows that there are out there. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast and taking the time to review. It really does mean the world to me and I am hugely grateful. Okay, let's get on with the show. So tell us how we should all be sitting then, Carrie Anne. What are the kind of fundamentals of the, that sitting in particular? So it's quite a funny one, isn't it, really, sitting? Because if we were sort of moving around the whole time, moving in and out of positions, then it wouldn't really matter too much how we were sitting because we were mixing it up and we weren't staying in one place for for a long period of time. However, I think in practice, we have our preferred way of sitting and then we stay like that for the majority of our sitting time. And quite often, our preferred ways of sitting, firstly, may not be the most active because the brain's looking for the, I guess, the the quickest route and the least energy intense. And the other thing as well is that they may not be particularly balanced throughout the body. So the left and right side and the front and back. So if we're looking to create active and balanced way, then sitting up on our sit bones, so your pelvis is in a neutral position. And by the way, if you struggle with figuring out where your pelvis is in space or you go to your Pilates class and you know you struggle with thinking about that, then sitting is a great way of getting your brain 
to register where that neutral is because you can feel your sit bones on the seat. So it's a great tool actually for bringing more awareness for when you're doing the movements in other places. So I really love using a seat for that. My proprioception is not great always. So <laughs> using a seat has really helped me and massively improved how I move personally as a movement teacher. And if I've got that knowledge of being the movement teacher, but I don't know about you, but I'm much better at looking at other people and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But if, if that's improved a movement teacher's ability yeah. to move, then think about how much that's going to help someone who's not a movement teacher. You know, because mm -hmm. you don't. I, I've got some awareness of where my body is in place, hopefully. But you know, if that's helped me to to finesse that more, then that's going to be a really useful tool for people that don't have that. So I love what's using a seat actually aside from the how to sit malarkey so having your feet flat on the floor is great and also a big one and i'm seeing loads of people with sort of hip pain sacroiliac joint pain lower back pain because of the sacroiliac joint and all that stuff is to make sure your knees are lined up with each other so one's not more forward than the other so you're minimizing the potential for any hip rotation there mm, okay. um sitting on the sit bones sit bones are under your bottom one either side and you'll have a right angle basically where your legs meet your torso so that's a fr frame of reference if is that what you say frame of reference yeah yeah in case though the, the not sure about the sit bones with the rest of the body it's quite a funny one really because i think when you say in a workshop show me your best posture everyone like lifts their chest up and squeezes yeah. their shoulders back behind them and yes that does look like you're sitting up in a more erect position however you're just sort of really pinching the back of the body to stretch out in front and also you just moving the ribs up rather than addressing sort of the rounded shoulder stuff or the lack of mobility extension in the sort of between the rib cage and the throat so if we're just shifting our ribs up and down we're not really doing anything to help the upper back bit we just move sorry it's gone a bit that's right okay. we haven't done anything to address the upper back issue We've just moved our rib cage around a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, I get what you mean. So this this space in our sternum, basically, we're not, yeah. all we're doing is tipping the ribs back, which is happening in your low back, low to mid back. So you're yeah. sort of just tightening and pulling here rather yeah. than doing anything where you're able to lengthen and also keep your back lengthened yeah. at the same time, right? Exactly. So the way that I like to describe it, I guess, is, is that we're trying to get the bits that don't move so well to move and the bits that move lots to move a bit less. And so that applies to many bits of the body, which you and you can really work on that when sitting. So with the upper body, to go back to how to sit, you just want to make sure that your rib cage is over your is over your hips, but you're not lifting your ribs up to the ceiling. So you're, you're not compressing your lower back, but you also don't need to be pulling your tummy in either. So I spoke to a physio recently and she said to me, well, if people are sitting up on their sit bones and, they've, and they haven't got a back support on the chair and so on, then they just end up bracing their tummy, pulling their tummy in. And I said, well, no, that's a choice or maybe it's subconscious, but you don't need to do that. So you can sit on your sit bones and relax your tummy. You don't need to pull it in. <laughs> so 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 you know let it 
be free, let it hang out. And anyway, who cares? Like you're sat down, no one's going to be looking at you. And by the way, if you're sat up on your sit bones and your spine is reaching up to the ceiling, then it doesn't matter if your belly's hanging out because it because it looks smaller anyway. If you're sat on your sit bones yes. and you've got your bum tucked. Under. Then if you're compressed and then everything exactly. is squished from your middle. I think that we need to walk around pulling our tummies in to, to work the tummy. But you wouldn't walk around flexing your bicep your arm to work your biceps all the time or lifting your shoulders up to your ears intentionally anyway and to, to strengthen your sh- the tops of your shoulders so similarly it's 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 not it's not an effective way of strengthening your belly holding it in the whole time so so let that be sort of a message <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah let it go let, let it go, go. Uh, yeah yeah for sure and you know from my point of view with postnatal stuff it makes a massive difference with your pelvic floor as well if you're just sucking exactly. your tummy in all the time you're not able to breathe well and you're not able to get your pelvic floor to respond well in the same way that you are okay so and what about those who prefer to stand or uh, and work or why would somebody decide to stand what what is it because some people like I don't like standing and working I get tired in a standing position so I prefer to set myself up better in a sitting position but my husband loves standing and he'll stand all day he doesn't get tired in standing and enjoys standing up and I've got lots of clients who prefer being in a standing position but they've done that out of sort of pain from sitting maybe is that normally what you would find if somebody decides to stand because Mm. they're in pain I think or they want to spend more energy. To, yeah, lots of people choose to have standing desks because they think it's better for them because it makes you less sedentary because you're not sitting down. Yes, you use more energy to stand up and of course you use your legs in a different way. However, you if you're staying still when you're standing, you're not expending heaps more energy than you would be if you were sitting down. How That said, it's quite difficult to stand still. You'll know from musical statues, mm-hmm. it's hard to be still. <laughs> And I wonder if, because I find it tiring standing to work as well, I wonder if it's because we fidget so much that it's actually way more labour intensive. (laughs) You know, so it was, but I think mixing it up is good, sitting and standing, if you can work in that. Well, some things to note when you stand up, you make sure you're standing evenly on both feet. Lots of people who tend to lean on one hip, they'll do it sitting and standing, can, 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 create more imbalances across the left and right also make sure because your arms are forward and you're looking forward there's a tendency to lean forward so you're in the front of your feet so make sure you can feel your heels pressing down as well just to keep the backs of your legs working too and don't think that that is a substitute for movement so being still you still need to move your body around and be doing your incidental movement and so on but standing is is definitely a great thing if it works for you i'd say mix it up though Mm. standing up in the afternoons probably a good idea for energy so that if, you don't get, feel that it kind doesn't of... fire you out yeah right <laughs> <laughs> that is other things to sit on I've got some clients who sit on exercise balls actually mm. and they love that and I've got one client in particular who had quite a lot of lower back pain before working together and some knee pain and we addressed that through sessions that he's since been since working on his fitness ball he's not having his usual aches and pains at the end of the day so that's awesome because that's unstable so that you have to negotiate stability on that mm. the whole time so that's pretty i tried a wobble chair once too it's like a cushion thing that sits on the chair and i thought that was 
quite a cool thing too. The thing is, uh, you know, I get really distracted by stuff because I'm such a fidget. So, you know, I'd be like, you're doing all sorts of stuff and then I would <laughs> <laughs> so much on, on what I'm doing. So personally for me, I mean, when I'm talking to people, I'm moving around the whole time. But for example, when I was writing the book, I did fall back into my old ways of just being quite still. So I had to make myself move by scheduling in movement breaks. That's how, that's right and I mix it up as well so if you can sit up on your sit bones on the floor so you can have your legs Mm. crossed or out in front of you or one off to the side and the other one in front of you mixing it up of course then that's also an option for you just maybe put your laptop on your chair or something like that but the thing is lots of us can't do that and sit up on our sit bone and if your pelvis is in a posterior tilt when you do that it's not so good for your for your for your back to be in that yeah. position so so just depending on your flexibility and that comes down to hamstrings and hip hip mobility and a bit yeah. of back as well so Mm, yeah okay so mixing it up is kind of the underlying thing from that really yeah I think one of my issues is that I you know teach classes and I see people online and then if I'm doing writing or doing admin or something like that it's like a emergency it's not not an emergency time it's like a quick hit of sort of an hour or two hours yeah it's almost like I just get into a position that's comfortable and then I just write and type (laughs) and I really need to I mean what I need to do is take the advice from here and then just while I'm thinking yeah. do a little bit something do some breaths you know straight, I'm yeah. not having to move and go anywhere not having to do anything you know different or or sort of change my posture around or position around or anything like that I just need to move in the place that I am fixed sitting in because most of the time it's me just thinking about what I'm saying when I'm writing an article yeah. or a blog or something so one of my clients uses a really nice way of doing it and he works in a law firm and he every say I don't know fifth paragraph that he writes or whatever it is he's working on he'll then move around so attaching it to tasks that you do can be a you know what's the word like a, a mnemonic almost is there yeah. and to get you to 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 move more so attaching it to stuff you do but Catherine you probably because you move loads anyway sitting down for an hour and you probably do move quite a bit when you're sat there and you're just not because it's not it's not as big as the usual movement. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, so yeah. actually and that's another thing as well I think many of us we we because of this idea of movement being something grander than just moving around on your chair albeit knowing how to do it properly because that has been that's more beneficial than just you know flinging yourself around but because we think that it's something bigger it means that we don't always count the other stuff that we do so we've got this idea I don't move I don't do anything. <laughs> I'm rubbish. I'm sedentary. And that's why one of the reasons why I try to be quite careful about the language that I use, because yeah. you may have noticed from the book that I don't say stuff like, you know, if you sit like this, you're going to die. If you do this, you know, because actually those things act as a, also act as a barrier to movement, yeah. I think, in some ways, because people yeah. are like, well, I'm not doing it, so I'm not going to do it at all. Yeah. You know, so... So I think, yeah, it's about recognising that the small things are movement too. And uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And actually, my my next point was that my favourite chapter is chapter five, which is all about setting yourself up for more movement at work. And in it, you talk about the language of movement and that that thing about language being a barrier to movement I think is really crucial because so many people have a judgment of themselves as 
a mover or not a mover or, you know, somebody who moves beautifully or is elegant or is flexible or is energetic or dynamic or something like that. And those sorts of labels kind of stop us from experiencing what we can do to its fullest extent in the body that we have, regardless of what we are capable of. Because, you know, I think what you show really nicely is that sort of raising your arms up to the side and taking a deep breath in, that's something that everybody can do regardless of what you feel that you are capable of before you start something. And that is a great movement that gives you so much potential with what you do with your breath and how your shoulders move and that it's, Mm. it's really, really worthwhile being able to do that and then and you also talk like you said about building habits about sort of attaching them to other things I you know James Clear's book and you you mentioned BJ Fogg's book I think don't you small small habits mm-hmm. both of those ones you know that that attachment of movement to something else gives you that great connection that you go and boil the kettle and do you know mm. some squats against the worktop whilst you're doing it or press ups or whatever it is and and I think that is just so <laughs> it's so easy and so so simple to do and so life-changing if you really you know get down to it and then the other thing that you said say in that chapter is all about making it culturally acceptable so we talked about taking your shoes off yeah yeah at your desk and there's yeah. that being able to be it be fine and not have weird looks across the office when you're sort of doing some movements and stretches and wriggling your toes around and things so has that been something that's been a big part of what you've done is been sort of making it an okay thing to do to add movement in your day yeah I well that's what I'm trying to do and it definitely helps when you go to places where the boss is there so if the boss is there and all and all the whole team's doing it then you're kind of normalizing it and you're making it so okay it might feel like at the time that you're being forced to do something but you know it's it normalizes it and then it's more likely to happen going forward because everybody has been involved in it and it also some ways it can become a bit you know like a bit of a oh it's time to do our sit bone squeezes or it's time to be a big star or whatever it is and so making it culturally acceptable and from the top down is a really good way of getting people to move and I'm going to share this here I've not shared this anywhere before but what I really I had this idea the other day and I thought do you know what I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll with this and see if I can get some businesses on board I think like this approach to meetings is is crazy, right? If you're going into a meeting at two and you've got another one at three, you've got another one at four and they're one hour each one and you just back to back. So it would be really nice if companies would get on board with this idea of 50 minute meetings rather than an hour. So you've got five minutes before, five minutes after. And that is happening in some companies that I've worked with. However, it's not just good enough to say that's what the rule is. It, you have to commit to the rule as well. So you have to be right, we start this time, you know, and that has to be how it's done because then people can move before and after. In Before, when they were in the office the whole time, they'd be moving between meeting rooms. Yeah. But if it's at home, then it gives them an opportunity to move and some businesses I've worked with they'll have they have me in at the beginning of team meetings to to do like five or ten minutes with them or they'll do one of my videos or you know I've got this membership platform now and some companies have signed up to that and so they do it as a team and and uh, it's just you know they if it's normal to move more than we'll do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why I do all this like silly stuff on Instagram, like shaking out and just 
dancing around because do you know what I I know that I might seem like I'm confident and doing all that stuff but going back like five years there is no way in hell I would have been seen dancing on a dance floor let alone on Instagram <laughs> sending it out to 12,000 people and talking about all this stuff in like newspapers and all this stuff having my picture in a book there's no yeah. way and the only reason that I've come to that place is because it's my job and I knew that's what I had to do to move forward but it's because I've normalized it in my head I'm like right this is what I do now yeah. so and so yeah. part of what I'm trying to do is share these because sometimes people write to me and say well I'm not going to get in a glittery leotard and dance in my in my office and it's like well no of course you're not going to do that but the point is is that I'm hoping that by seeing me do it it will encourage you to just have a bit more fun with your movement to like dance a bit or you know be silly or whatever but if you do wear your leotard then I bet your teammates will be really happy so you could consider it <laughs> I did that once by the way as well just once Oh, I've worn the leotard three times <laughs> my whole life and twice of them as I've been on Instagram. So <laughs> and once to a festival. But yeah, no, you know, it's just like, it's about, yeah, making it culturally acceptable, getting buy-in from the boss and it being more than just a tick box exercise. Oh, we've done something good for well-being. No, yes. that's, that's not, because actually people are going to burn out and then they're not going to be as productive. They're not going to be, you know, if people have got aches and pains, there's stats out there on the number, the number of people who are off sick each year because of sore backs or whatever it is. And it's huge. And you think if you can just add a bit more movement, know how to sit well, take responsibility for your for your own body then then those numbers are going to go down yeah. you know and it's crazy just seeing people at the start of the meeting I've got da, 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 da. are you better at the end yes you know so it's just it's not even that much movement and it's simple stuff like you're saying part of that whole narrative about it being simple is because I've got a simple brain so I can't I cannot understand things when they're sold to me in a complicated way I just can't so a, a large part of my learning I guess movement was dissecting what it actually meant and then putting it into the way that I understood it because yeah. I just you know I, I would be like yeah well I don't know what that means I don't know <laughs> what do you mean so so and also about figuring out what the interdependencies are between different movements and body parts and and that so that's been something that I hope comes across in the book because I think as someone at the, who struggled with all that jargon and stuff it took me a long time to understand it I figured it's going to be the same for other people as well yeah. so yeah, yeah so that was why I, I that's why I talk in a very simple way it's not yeah. it's not because I don't understand it <laughs> no, no no but I think the other thing is I think when you are in the sort of movement world you assume that everybody's speaks the same after a while you're kind of like oh everyone knows what their sit bones are or their hamstrings or something like that and actually, we don't need to make it complicated. We don't need to be like, we need to speak in this language so that we all know what we're talking about. We don't need to do that. It's just raising your arms. It doesn't have to be a fancy word or, you know, something particularly complex. I think we create too much distance between people who have been educated in that way and people who haven't. And for no reason. That's just the life that each of us chose. And in order to do what we need to do and encourage more people to love the have the joy of movement, it just needs to be a feeling rather than a complex amount of words to explain something. 
Well, and also I think if you're, you know, if you're talking in a language that people you're communicating to you don't understand, then you haven't done your job <laughs> because they're not they're not understanding what the words you're saying. Yeah. So so that that's the upshot of it. There's no point. And that's one, you know, that's one of the reasons why lots of us shy away from reading particular things because we're like, I have no idea what that says. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I don't yeah. have the propensity to understand it. That's the other thing. Like you don't have the space yeah. or the desire to yeah. want to know what that means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so then it became yeah. becomes uh, between the people who do and the people who don't understand that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kerryanne. It's just been brilliant to have you here today. I'm absolutely sure everybody has now found their sit bones and <laughs> has been wriggling and fidgeting away. Hopefully, people have been walking whilst they've been listening to this as well, which is always a wonderful thing that I can think oh, that yes. people are out doing movement at the same time as listening. Yes. So, thank you for bringing that joy of movement and sharing my movement motivation. Thank you for all your work getting people moving through the day. This book is a goldmine for those who want to look after their bodies while they're working or spending time at their desk so I really hope you enjoy sharing it with people and promoting and getting more and more people moving so thank you very much for coming to talk to me today thank you so much for having me Yay. <laughs>